Welcome into the Snapped Podcast, my personal audio journal. My name is Tyler Kluver. I'm a personal trainer and podcaster, but it gets a little bit deeper than that. And this show is going to give you an inside look on my thoughts concerning health and fitness, business, mindset, and creating the life that you feel lucky to live. I hope you enjoy the show. Sit back, relax, and let's have a day. Let's have a day. All right. Well, this is attempt number two at this podcast. I recorded this whole freaking thing uh, yesterday on time, on time for you people. This podcast is now just a Thursday podcast, sometimes Friday, and it's supposed to be a Wednesday podcast. But today, hopefully, the audio that you're listening to, and who knows, the whole thing could be fucked up again. Um, somehow in my zoom settings and hopefully I'm not doing it. Yeah. It looks like I'm okay. Somehow in my zoom settings, uh, the volume, the input, um, on my personal settings got jammed way up to a thousand percent. And it sounded like I was absolutely screaming bloody murder in the mic. It was like, uh, it almost sounded, sounded like staticky, um, I thought something was fucked up with my microphone. I thought something was messed up with my some other computer setting, uh, potentially my audio board. And it turns out it was just the Zoom input level for my audio. So hopefully what you're listening to sounds nice, crisp, and clear. And not, I mean, the audio was absolute. I, I was going to post it. And uh, you might even be able to hear it if you go to my YouTube channel and watch it. No, I don't know why I'm saying this. No one gives a shit. This is, this is take two. Um, I actually felt like yeah, the episode I recorded was one of the best, most concise episodes that I've ever done. And I was super happy with it. Um, this is going to be, as you can tell by the title, when you clicked on it, this is part three of the, my current protocols. Um, and this portion of the, well, I shouldn't say that. Um, the first was diet, what I eat. Uh, there's a yawn. I don't think I yawned at all during yesterday's episode, so we're already behind on that. Um, the first episode was what I currently eat, what my diet looks like to match my training and goals. The second episode, which was last week, a couple weeks, you know, took took me a, a couple weeks to get to that second part two. Uh, that was how I train, and sort of broken down in. A fair amount of detail what and why and how I train right now physically in the gym. Um, and this third part is going to be all encompassing basically recovery. Uh, and that is broken down the way I've done it into three separate parts, really, uh, I would say two and a, a critical third sort of area. Two yawns. We love it. Two yawns. Um, we're doing the third part today and that will re, um, that will cover basically everything that basically the current way that I live my life, um, when it comes to eating, training and recovering, uh, a quick update as I sit here, um, absolutely trashed. It is a rest day, which actually will, uh, we'll talk about and how that factors into the recovery. Um, 
I this is this would be week seven of the six weeks six oh my god six week squat cycle. Um, if I were to have continued doing it, um, I did not continue doing it in the same fashion. I think it's probably a good thing to. It's called a cycle for a reason is because you're not, it's not a consistent all the time thing. Um, I, for the second time, went through and completed the 20 rep squat cycle, uh, squat program, which if you remember or have been around, I did last year. Um, the reason I'm saying this is probably because I will do an episode recapping the squat cycle in its entirety and sort of isolation uh, probably next week. It'll probably be the next one I do. And um, basically, I, I just got done with that uh, about eight or nine months ago. I did it for the first time, saw insane, incredible, almost mythical uh, improvement in my one rep squat, um, which as we know, uh, at least if you've been paying attention is very important in what I'm trying to do. My, my squat strength has a, well, it's, it's important. So, um, I decided to do that again. Knee was finally feeling good. We've talked about how my my knee was uh, sort of messed up for a while. Um, we completed it again successfully. There were a couple days where I didn't know if that was going to be the case or not. Um, but we did it. Last time we started at 185, and you essentially will go up about 90 pounds if you squat for three times a week for six weeks because um, you're just adding five pounds each, each set. We started at 230 this time. Ending at 315. Three wheels on the bar and successfully did that for 20 reps. Um, we are going to go for 320 and, and continue to go on this cycle, although not at the same frequency. Uh, give my legs a little bit of a rest. Um, we are going to go for 320 either tomorrow or Saturday, assuming we get that, 325, 330, basically until I feel like it's actually going to kill me. Uh, which this sort of squat program does get you pretty close to that stimulus. So um, in combination with that, another update before we get into this recovery protocol, uh, I had mentioned a couple weeks ago that I had, um, I needed to increase my calories. I basically came to the conclusion. Um, I, sometimes when you're, when you're in your own journey and you kind of, you know, you're waking up and you're doing things and you think everything's right. It's hard to take inventory, take stock of is my protocol exactly what it should be right now? Um, is it opto is it maximized? Is it optimally efficient? And uh for me, I don't think that was the case. Um, especially going into a squat program that was gonna be intensive, advanced, um, and require real serious intentional effort. Um, you know, a, a strength cycle like that probably should see for, for most people, if you're in a maintenance phase calorically, should see a small uptick in calories. Um, just because with the hormonal response 
and uh, growth, you know, muscle growth stimulus that you're putting on your body, you want to make sure that you're optimally feeding that so that you are putting on muscle, you are putting on strength. So knowing that and just, you know, being in a spot where I was like, what if I, you know, what if I just add calories? I'm not gaining weight right now. What if I just add calories and we'll see where that takes me? It'll give me a slightly better idea of how much I'm actually burning on a daily basis. And now six weeks after, um, I think it obviously helped me for sure uh, be able to continue to get stronger in the legs and, and successfully complete the squat cycle. Not only that, but it also added, um, I would say, three to four pounds of muscle in a month and a half. Um, and uh, I've gained about seven pounds. So that's good. I like that. Um, I'm eating you know, 4,000 plus calories a day. And it feels really, really good. I've stayed just about as lean, uh, actually thought kind of in the middle of this cycle when I went on the baby moon, which I also did an episode about, I went to San Diego. Um, I actually thought that I was looking, uh, at least uh, the amount of yawns today in my own perception. I thought that I was looking about as lean as I've ever looked and, um, at, at as high of a weight as I've ever been. Right. So around 200 pounds and I'm guessing somewhere around nine or 10% body fat. So that's, I'm really, really happy with that. Um, but we will get all into all that and the specifics a little bit more later on, but I just wanted to update the audio journal here and anybody who decides to listen to it, that sometimes an increase in calories is what you need, especially if you're training really hard. Okay. With that being said, we will go over this again probably in slightly less detail because I don't want to sit here for another 40 minutes and talk about this after I've already done it. But I do want to get this out there because I think this episode more than anything could be helpful to you listening at home. Sure, you listen to me eat uh, or, or what I eat and you don't really, you haven't really figured out like your own nutrition. You don't know what works for you or we don't like the same foods, this, that. The other thing, you're not able to eat so, such a boring meal like I am all the time or Definitely when you listen to the training one, you're like, dude, what the fuck? Like I'm not, I'm not even into CrossFit. I just like listening to about training and, and exercises and diet and stuff like that. Like I'm, you know, listening to, to your three hour per day. CrossFit is definitely interesting, but it doesn't actually help me in my own training. Um, but this one here, the recovery is one that I think is relevant. Um, even if I do more sort of recovery and, and, and sort of focus on it more intentionally than most people do. Um, it's still very important to most people. And I think the place to start is I think we're probably all under recovered. Um, unless you are just completely sedentary, it, <laughs> which is a spot where you have a whole lot of other issues to, to worry about before you worry about how recovered you are. Um, if you are training two, three, four, upwards of six times a week, um, seven times a week, the chances are is you're not doing the best you could at keeping your body healthy outside of the gym. And I think that's always the case, right? Like, are we ever eating the absolute perfect diet, stretching the absolute right amount, foam rolling absolutely the right amount, 
um, getting the exact amount of hydration, sleep, whatever we need, probably not. No. So it's a, it's a constant chase towards us trying to be better. That's all this podcast is about is, is I'm just trying to get better. I want people who listen to take one or two things away from each podcast and be able to be better. Right. So with that in mind, how do I break down recovery, especially at such a high level? Um, again, I cringe when I say this myself, but I am the way I train right now is at a level of professional athlete. Um, it, it might be slightly under that, uh, three hours a day, right? Actual professional athletes are depending on the sport are probably training somewhere between three and six hours a day. Um, sometimes much more for some sports, sometimes, uh, not as much. Um, you know, somebody like a football player is probably, you know, if they're, if it's during the season or a time where they're practicing call practice training, um, as well as any time they spend in the gym, they might be spending three hours a day on average throughout a, a week, right? Uh, call it 20 hours in a week. Um, but that might be on the high side for like NFL athletes. Um, whereas, you know, endurance athletes are probably upwards of 25 or 30. Yeah. 25 or 30 hours for sure. Um, so that, that doesn't matter. What does matter is I'm doing a lot. And so my muscles are often beat down. My central nervous system is often uh, pretty beat down, right? Um, I'm sweating a ton, losing fluids, losing electrolytes, going in and out of, well, ideally not going out of hydration, but, you know, um, would be on my way if I wasn't keeping that in check. I need a ton of sleep. I need a ton of mobility. So what does that look like? I break recovery down into three parts, hydration, body work, and sleep. Those are how I break them down. Body work and sleep are two bigger ones. Hydration is pretty simple. There's not a lot to that. We're going to start there, right? Drink water, right? Everybody says drink water, drink water, drink water, you know, get your water in you, drink more water. You hear it all the time. Uh, Eye-opening to me, and I think a lot of people more recently I've been seeing a push for this, is hydration is not simply how much water you can suck down. Right, Water's great, and I drink a lot of it. But electrolytes play a huge role in actually being hydrated. Um, And in fact, if you drink only water and you don't get a lot of salt slash electrolytes, uh, you can actually drink enough water where you're now sort of water logging yourself and you end up just pissing out um, and diluting uh, the electrolyte supply in which you could then be uh, deficient. So how do I go about this? General rule of thumb, right? Again, this isn't an advice podcast or not. Uh, it's not the primary focus of this, but I will kind of give my thoughts on it as far as um, the, the inspiration or origin of why I do what I do. So 
general recommendation if you were to come to me would be I need you, the average person, even if you're sedentary, I want you to drink half of your body weight in ounces of water each day, right? So easy example, what does that mean? I'm 200 pounds, half of that is 100, 100 ounces of water per day for me. If I wasn't doing anything, that's just like living life. And most people will be fucking amazed at what hitting that mark, that standard would do for them. Um, now if you're at all training, right, if you're working out at all, you're being active at all, I would add another quarter of that, right? So for me, 25 more ounces, um, throughout the day to, um, help balance out you exercising and sweating and, uh, and really, and that puts me because of my body weight right at about a gallon. Right. So how I do that is I have a hydro flask. It's 32 ounces of water. That's a quarter gallon. I try to drink four of those per day. Right. So four of those per day. Now it doesn't always happen. Sometimes I get, I'll usually always get three. Oftentimes I'll get four, but not all the time. However, that's not my only source of liquid and hydration. Right. So I work out, obviously, if you listen to the second part of this, you listen to how I train. Uh, five days a week, I'm working out twice a day. Thursdays, which happens to be today, I'll work out once. Um, Sundays, I might put in a little uh, quick cardio session, but usually just a walk, um, and there will be no workout. But that is still 11 training sessions per week. Um, for each training session, I will put down a 24 ounce, uh, shaker bottle of water, right? So that's additional. That is during my workout. I'm thirsty. I'm sweating. I need water. That's a 24 ounce shaker of water each set, each training session. So do the math on that 11 times. If it's 10 times 25, let's just call it 25 ounces. Um, that'd be 250, about 275 additional ounces of water per week just during my training sessions. That's just over two gallons of water, extra gallons. Um, as well as before my afternoon sessions, which there's five or six of those per week, I do another 12 to 16 ounces of water that uh, house my, what I call a pre-workout, but it's more so just BCAs and some electrolytes and some salt. Um, so there's additional water, right? And then every once in a while, who knows, we go out to eat or we're sitting down at dinner and I have something else. There's a good chance I'm eating more liquid or I'm, I'm, I'm drinking an, a, a, a drink with a meal. Um and then, of course, you have hydration from the food that you eat, which is sort of hard to quantify, but there's, you know, you, you do consume water through your food. So it's a shitload of water, right? And you're sitting there going, wow, that's a lot. Uh, but for someone who trains two and a half to three hours per day, it's necessary. You could see how much I sweat just in my active recovery Peloton session this morning. Um, you'd be like, holy fuck, like I could fill a shaker bottle with just that, right? So that is how I approach hydration, not just water, but also salt and that pre-workout drink. And I salt the shit out of my foods. Oh, I forgot to mention daily, 
especially if it's hot out, I'm also drinking a 20 ounce body armor, right? A body armor has a little bit of coconut water in it, which is super hydrating. I don't know why. Um, it's got electrolytes in it. It's got a couple other things in it. Um, so another additional 20 ounces of fluid in the form of body armor, which is a super hy- hydrating sort of focused drink. Um, that is what my hydration looks like. I salt the shit out of my food. So I get a ton of extra electrolytes there, sodium, potassium, chloride. Um, that is how that goes. That's hydration, right? Bing, bang, boom. Body work. Body work. This includes several things. This could be anything from stretching to uh, mobility sessions to dry needling to cupping to cryotherapy to massage, whatever whatever work you have done on your body to feel better and recover your muscles, that is body work in my mind. Now I don't do all those things, right? Um, a lot of those external sort of resources cost money that I don't see as worth it. I don't see the, uh, a positive ROI there for me, um, except for probably like a quarterly massage. Um, but even then I'm lazy and I haven't gotten an actual massage from a, a masseuse in over two years. So what does my body work look like then? A majority of it is broken down into three parts. Um, inversion, which I'm huge on and is sort of a, a lost art in my opinion. Most people don't mess around with inversion, don't even have the ability to. I'll talk about that in a second. Inversion. Stretching, which is essentially, you know, now people call it mobility, but it's just stretching, right? Mobilizing your joints and muscles and taking them to end ranges of motion so that they don't get stuck and stiff um, in between your training sessions. And then uh, tissue release, myofascial release, which comes in the form of foam rolling or sometimes even uh, a little more pinpoint with a baseball or a golf ball, something like that. Um, those are the three, right? Big parts. Now I have a massage gun, right? A little percussion gun that I will use as needed, right? Maybe once or twice a week on like, like today I'll probably use it because I, for the first time in a really long time am trashed in my biceps, in my, uh, in my ass, in my fucking quads, in my chest, um, I'm beat up, so I'll probably use that a little bit. Um, and then I also include in body work, this idea of walking in the sunshine. And I know you're like, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Here's how I think about it. Um, it's making your body feel better, right? Getting sunshine on your skin, in your eyes, the liver king on the face, on the eyes of the skin. Um, it makes you feel better. It releases hormones. It resets circadian rhythm. We'll talk about that with the sleep in a second, the third part of recovery. And um, and just walking as well. I sort of use walking as the very first part of a warm-up or after a workout, a cool down. Um, of you know, the most low intensity exercise that you can do is just walk, move your legs and your arms and support your frame at a very low intensity. Um, it's more beneficial than, you know, like if we just walked more as a society, 
again, similar to if we just drank more water as a society, crazy benefits, crazy progress can be made if you're consistent with that. So those are kind of the implements. What do those look like? How long specifically? I won't go into crazy detail. Twice a week, I will try to do a big stretching session, right? One of those sessions happens to fall on today, which is Thursday. Um, the other happens to fall on Sunday. So as you can see, or if you listen to last week, I put the big stretching slash mobilization slash mobility sessions on the days where it is my active recovery. One, it kind of goes with the theme, right? I'm giving my body a rest from the actual exercise on those days or, or more intense exercise days. Um, might as well take it even one step further and implement the active strategies of recovering those muscles, right? Two, time-wise it works. If I can, on a Thursday, when I normally am on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, or Saturday, I'm training three hours of that day. Um, but on Thursday, I'm only training for about 90 minutes. Makes sense to throw in an hour stretching session um, on Thursday because I have more time on Thursday because I don't have that second session. I have an hour to stretch on Sundays on a weekend when I'm not working and I'm completely not training um, versus trying to throw in because these two big sessions per week are 40 to 60 minutes long. It would just tighten up one of those other days where I'm already training for three hours and then I throw a big, huge, long mobility session on top of that. Um so that's when I do my two big sessions per week. Those are like the true, like, you know, you get done with those sessions, those sessions, and you're almost sweaty. You're you're starting to, you know, you're you've mobilized and put yourself in because these aren't fun either, right? Like stretching hurts, mobilization hurts, foam rolling hurts sometimes. Um, your body temp heats up, uh, but you, you go through and get the blood flowing and you stretch well and like you feel an actual like hormonal um, good feeling after these sessions. Um, I will do a condensed version of those sessions, 10 to 20 minutes, three to five times a week. The other, you know, the other five days of the week when I don't do those um, three to five of those days a week, three at minimum, I will do a 15 to 20 minute stretching session all the same stretches, and if you're interested in what those stretches are, I can, you know, I'll just ask. I'll let you know what I like to do. Um, I'll do condensed, you know, like maybe one third the time in those in those positions or whatever, one to two minutes in each spot on each side, whatever it may be. Um, while I watch TV, I call this just a TV stretch, right? So we sit down for dinner um, at night. We eat our dinner, and then there's like an hour, ninety minutes before we go up to, you know start the bedtime routine during that time while we're watching Netflix, while we're watching YouTube TV, whatever it is, I'll just stretch while I'm, you know, you knock it out, right? You're either just sitting on the couch or you can watch TV and get something else done as well. Um, and this is a perfect time where I don't have to find another spot in my day to find 20 minutes. It's already built into me watching TV and you can actually sit in some positions for even longer than, you may at some other time and uh, and really do some good work. So two to four, maybe three to five sessions a week of those TV sh 
stretch sessions. Included in those sessions will also be foam rolling, uh, myofascial release. Um, most of the time doing the, like the majority of my foam rolling is going to come, um, in the form of me doing it on my quads, my butt, my hamstrings, right. That, um, sort of, uh, the top part of my legs, which just take an enormous beating occasionally on my lats. Right. And then if I grab the baseball or I grab the saw, uh, the, the golf ball to roll out some smaller parts, it's going to be the bottom of my foot, my pec, maybe my back, um, those areas, but I'll do about five to eight minutes of foam rolling as well in each of those sessions, whether it be a big session or a small session. And then inversion will be, um, another 10 minutes per day. And I like to get 10 minutes every single day. Sometimes it's upwards of 15. Um, sometimes it's eight, right? It just depends on if I feel like I've got my use out of it, you kind of feel it out. I have an inversion table. Um, some people use gravity boots or hanging boots or whatever it is. Uh, I have done this since college. We had one in the college weight room and it was unbelievable um, with as much squatting and deadlifting and beat down as a, a division one football player takes and now a semi-pro professional CrossFit athlete takes um, the inversion table and decompressing my spine for 10 minutes a day, honestly has probably saved me from numerous injuries and tweaks over the last uh, going on 10 years now. Um, so because of it and it's, and the benefit that I feel, from it, I can literally tangibly feel how good it 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 makes my body feel. Um, it's you'd be hard pressed to find a day where I don't get ten minutes of hanging in. Um, it sits literally right next to my uh, new where my desk now sits, um, looking right at it. So I'll probably do it right after this podcast. Actually, that is the body work: like stretching, myofascial release, inversion, occasionally some massage gun. Um, and walk in in the sunshine, right? Total, if you combine all of that into one, you're like, how much of that time do you get per day? It's probably 30 minutes. I'd like it to be closer to an hour a day. But again, this whole podcast, this whole idea is like we're never perfect and we're trying to get better. So I'm trying to increase that. You don't um, you don't just jump in the pool and, and start swimming miles. You got to swim a lap at a time first. So um, that's sort of where I'm at. I'm in the middle of that journey to building my recovery out to an hour a day. And I'm at about a half hour, sometimes 40 minutes. Finally, we'll talk about sleep. Potentially the most important um, third or topic of the what we'll talk about today. Sleep is honestly the third pillar of like fitness in my opinion, or fitness and health, the, the combined uh, best health version of yourself. I look at it like this. In the gym and during the day, you're going to give inputs to your body in two forms. You've got the physical input or output, I guess, that you would put your body through in the gym, um, the training that you go through, the day-to-day -day wear and tear of whatever your career or job looks like, 
any just like the the daily task of living, right? Plus what you do exercise wise. To match and fuel that activity, you're going to input a bunch of food into your body, right? That food is going to be used as fuel to give you the energy to move throughout the day, as well as if your body reaches a state of um, fatigue or breakdown, um, that food is going to be what is used to build you back up. The third component, sleep, is the time frame, the state in which the rebuilding happens and the resetting of um, mental acuity and a bunch of other processes in your body happens, right? So it is just important because if we do not get it, the body will simply not use the food that you're giving it correctly um, and a whole bunch of other bad things. So generally, I like to go for eight hours a night. We're actually recording this at a really interesting time. Lauren, the wife, is a teacher. So until yesterday, she has had the summer off. It gets, it, you know, it stays light out till 9 p.m. Uh, during the summertime. So circadian rhythm, which I'll talk about in a second, is a little bit shifted backwards. You're, it's still light outside. It's very, it's a whole lot easier to stay up till 9, 10, 11 o'clock if you want. Um so in the summer, our schedule shifts a little bit, right? We probably fall asleep somewhere around 10, wake up at 6 to 7, and uh, uh, 6.30 or 7, and, um, you know, that's 8 to 9 hours of sleep. Um, during the year, which she just started working now, uh, she will get up at like 5.15, 5.20, or at least she'll set her alarm for 5.20 because she likes to lay in bed for that long. So knowing that we are going to be awake at that time, still shooting for somewhere between eight and nine hours if possible, you backtrack from there and you realize that, okay, if I want nine hours and the alarm goes off at 5.20, that means I got to fall asleep by like 8.40 or 8, 8.20, right? Now, 8.20... Probably not always asleep by then, but when we get into a routine here and school's full go and we're kind of into the fall football season and closer to the winter holiday season, we will no doubt be asleep on average consistently in a routine by 845 every night. And so 845 fall asleep, um, it makes waking up at five o'clock pretty darn easy. Like you've got your eight hours. Um amazing what it'll do for you if you just find a routine so that's what we shoot for how do i make sure that those eight to nine hours are good hours right for me cold and dark are huge i think for everybody they're huge i keep the house at 68 degrees our bedroom is on the top floor so it may be a slightly warmer because hot air rises so call it 69 degrees up up there um that is a sort of universally well-known temperature for good sleep. Cold enough that where you you want a blanket, but um, still warm enough that you're not absolutely just shivering, bone chattering, teeth chattering cold. Um, dark, this is where we fall short. 
our curtains suck in our room. So in the morning, once that lights, the sun starts to come up, it gets pretty light in our room pretty fast, as well as wife likes to fall asleep with the TV on. And so there's light in our room until we are asleep because we don't set the sleep timer until we're for sure going to be asleep. Um, I've gotten used to that, but it's not ideal if you're really trying to set up the max efficiency of environment. Um, as far as blue light goes coming off of the TV or coming off of even more importantly, the phone, which is way closer to your eyes. Um, my glasses, my prescription glasses have blue light blocker in them as well as my phone is set to turn off the blue light and only use red light. Um, and that's a setting you can go into the color. I think it's the color of your screen, uh, settings, on an iPhone at least. And uh, I've set that to turn off blue light at 7 p.m. every night. So past that, if I am looking at my phone, my phone is not using blue light to project whatever screen I'm on. It helps a lot. Uh, let's see here. So blue light blocking, phone setting. Um, I make sure that, obviously, the other two parts of this, I'm moving and I'm eating well throughout the day. Um, it's no surprise that people who work out sleep better. Um, it's because you've used your energy, right? You've got this vital energy sort of, um, this, this amount of, um, output that, that you're, we as humans are meant to expend in a day. And if you don't expend that, you know, we inherently know this too, because when you have kids, you'll hear parents all the time say, oh, they were running around all day today. They'll be, they'll be tired tonight. They'll sleep good tonight. But we don't, but then those same people, they don't act on that as an adult, right? They don't fucking move their body all day. They don't go and exercise. They don't exhaust themselves and do all these things to make sure that they're using the energy they have each day. So when you lay down at night, sure. Yeah, your body still has some energy left. You're not tired because you haven't used your body like you're supposed to. That's huge. And I benefit greatly from that because I obviously have, I do not fall short in the using my energy each day. Um, and eating right, finding what works well for you and your digest digestive system and you nutritionally, um, that plays a nice large role as well. All right. Um Getting sunshine immediately in the morning. I'm not always great at this, but this is another one that I like to try and do. If I remember, I did it today. Actually got 20 minutes of it today. Immediately in the morning, if you can, right? Not everybody can. Take a walk out in the sunshine. And if the sun's not shining, that's okay. It'll still come through the clouds. You'll still get that natural light. But exposing yourself to natural sunlight in the morning, first thing when you wake up is something that will set your circadian rhythm and sort of your internal clock process for the day. Once you do that, your body is on a timer in some sense and will start to wind down and be ready for sleep, ready for bedtime sooner than or, or, or closer to when you would like it to be. Um, so that's an important one as well. And then if I need to, if I need to, um, our podcast, the bigger one, the walk on podcast is, does have a CBD company as a sponsor. Um, they aren't CBD 
specific gummies for sleep. They're just sort of like, hey, take this and this helps you sort of recover. Any benefits that CBD gives you, these, uh, they're just like all around gummies. But I have had those gummies before. I'll take that at night sometimes if I'm really struggling. And if I'm laying there at night and I just simply can't turn my brain off or for some reason I'm not falling asleep, occasionally I will work in box breathing. Right, Box breathing is simply picking a number, usually two, three, or four seconds, and um, holding that cadence for the inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Right, All four uh, segments of that breath are all held for the exact same amount of time. So three seconds. One, two, three. That exhale is one, two, three. One, two, three. Hold. Three inhale. So it's just um, using a number to kind of box breathe. That centers your mind, centers what you're focusing on, and helps your body calm down and relax. And I, when I rarely have to use that, that will usually do the trick. You fall asleep and you don't even remember not counting anymore it's like when you're on anesthetic so that is the three-pronged approach um hydration body work and sleep and those are what i use how i use them um hopefully you found some nugget there that you haven't tried or heard of before um my biggest thing would just be like exercise and get sunshine and um and your sleep will be good um as far as hydration you can almost never drink more too much water, right? Like you probably need more. I need more. Um, and stretching is more beneficial than, you know, um, so all that being said, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Again, I'll probably next week update you guys on how this most recent six weeks, 20 rep squat program went, um, pretty opening, And, uh, we'll see here soon. Um, once I fail on the 20 rep, what my one rep max is and how much I've actually put on in six, uh, six or seven or eight weeks um, of squatting and intentional focus. And uh, we'll talk about that then, but until then, peace.